Thank you for taking the time to listen to this audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center. Our prayer is that you will be encouraged and blessed by the anointed Word of God. If you'd like more information about Apostolic Worship Center and its ministries, visit our website at www.awcnorman.com. vein that we have we was in last week just feel God would kind of keep us in that same uh, frame of thought and avenue and so we're just going to continue there here today and as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse number 6 Paul is addressing a particular issue that's taking place in the Corinth church there's come a little toleration of sin and he uses it as a teachable moment 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 6. He says, Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. This is his admonishment of how to deal with this leaven or this yeast that has corrupted the lump of dough. He says, Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, As ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, as a result of this Passover being sacrificed for us, he said, I want you to keep the feast. Don't do it with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but he said, I want you to do it with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And we preach for a few moments today from this subject, purging sin purging sin would you take just a moment and can we ask the Lord to help us together Jesus I ask you on this Sunday morning as we join together in the body of Christ and dear God those that have gathered here today on this precious day we're asking you that you would take your word and let it fall upon our hardest seed and let it do its intended work that you would design anoint us in the next few moments in the breaking of the bread of life the imparting of truth and allow God our hearts dear God to be moved by your word that it may be transforming inside of us in Jesus precious name we pray can you lift your voices and hands one more time and would you just make a joyful sound of praise, worship, and adoration to the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what a beautiful privilege to be able to lift hands and just worship the Lord with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. Praise God. Praise God. And you may be seated. God bless you. Good to see brother and sister Dale Rabadu today, visiting family. So glad y'all are here today. Praise God on this Sunday morning. We are, we are living in an ever-evolving society. Well, let me rephrase that because from a progressive standpoint, we might use the word evolve. We would say from an ever-evolving uh, uh, society is where we live. But really, it's, a, it's an imploding society. The things that have held society together, uh, the moral moorings and values and principles that have guided society for all of these centuries of time. We find them being radically stripped away and moved away in what is now coming to be called a cancel culture. One of the things that is being removed so tragically and it's having such an adverse effect is the consequences of bad behavior, the consequences of 
bad choices, the consequences of lifestyle, those things are being stripped away and removed. We live in literally in a society where it is a live and let live thought. It is eat, drink, and be merry. There are no consequences to choices and decisions and actions that one would take. Now, on the surface, think with me for just a moment, uh, on the surface it might appear to be a good thing to have no consequences. If there were no consequences, I could eat all I wanted to eat and never gain weight. Now, wouldn't that be nice to do away with consequences? I could eat all the chocolate cake I wanted and never have to worry about it affecting the scale or my waistline. I could drive as fast as I wanted to drive and I don't have to worry about a speeding ticket because consequences have all been removed. I can stay up as late as I want to stay and I will never get tired. I have removed all of the consequences. Now, what happens is this, is if you, if you do away with consequences, the results of decisions and choices and actions, basically what you're doing is you're doing away with boundaries, things that keep us and protect us. If there are no consequences to falling off the ledge, then there's no need for a guardrail. If you'll not get hurt for going over the side, then let's remove the boundary of the guardrail. If there are no results or circumstances to immorality, well, then let's just remove all moral lines uh, that navigate wholesomeness because there is no result to immorality or choices of evil in our life. If there are no consequences to a life that has no principles or values, then there's no need for guidelines of ethics to guide us and principles that, that steer us throughout of life. Now, in spite of what seems to be the obvious consequence of removing consequences, society is systematically removing these results and effects from our life and they are eliminating such things as responsibility and accountability. We see this in our homes. It's happening. Society tells us that we need not the consequence of discipline and as you remove the consequence of discipline from the home then fit throwing has no consequence. Temper tantrums have no consequence and then there is this utter state of confusion in society crime is suffering the 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 fact that there are no consequences to a life of crime and so they tell us we need to remove the punishment to crime and that we need to be more focused on solutions then we need to be on consequences. Well, I give to you for your consideration on this Sunday morning, the reason there are consequences is the solutions have already been ignored and the solutions have already been scrapped. And so that's the reason why there is a need for consequences. In spite of what society thinks, there is this thing, and Scripture constantly affirms it, that there is consequences to 
our lifestyles and our choices. We read it in the Word of God. Paul writes in the book of Galatians that whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. It's just, it's, it's a law of nature that whatever I sow, I shall reap that. The prophet in the Old Testament said that if you sow to the wind, you will reap the whirlwind. It is a fact that I reap consequences off of my life. The wise man in the Old Testament by the name of Solomon, he opens the first few chapters of the book of Proverbs with some admonishment to his son about principles that he needs to live by and how he needs to watch his moral life. And he is urging him concerning the matters of sexual promiscuity and immorality that would be, he would be very vulnerable and so he poses two questions to this young man. They seem very, very simplistic questions, almost as if you could dismiss them as if they have really no value to them, but these two questions hold very profound meanings. And these are the questions that he asks in Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 27. He says, Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals, and his feet not be burned? And he's asking his son now, he said, look, he said, if you play with fire, you're going to get burnt. He said, it's just a fact of life. Consequences follow the choices that we make in life. It is the way it's always been, and it's the way it will always be. There is a thing called cause and effect. In fact, in his admonishment to this young man when talking about his, his, his need to abstain from sexual promiscuity and the immorality that he would get himself involved in or would be exposed to, he said, you can go that direction and you can find yourself involved in that, but you don't know you are like an ox being led to the slaughter. There are consequences that are involved in all of this. It is a fact, I want you to hear me today, that sin, it takes you where you don't want to go. And it keeps you longer than you want to stay. And it will always cost you more than you want to pay. There are consequences to a sinful life and sinful living and sinful activity. Now, this is what you and I need to be very cautious of and perceptive of, is that there is a devil. And that devil likes to lure, and he likes to bait, and he likes to trap, and he likes to entice, and he likes to do everything he can to pull us into his vices, and he would do everything possible to try to tempt us with the allurements and all of the things of this present world and lead us into sin. But may I say to you on this Sunday morning that as tempting as Satan can make sin to be, and as alluring as he can make it to be, and as glamorous as he paints it to be, he will never reveal to us the consequences 
of those choices. He will goad us. He will push us. He will pressure us to walk down paths of ungodliness, unholiness, and lacking wholesomeness in our life. He will do everything possible to lead us into his traps and his snares, but he will never once tell us the result of living that life and walking in those choices and living in that avenue. For Scripture is literally littered with stories from beginning to end where Satan has lured people into this pathway of sin but never revealed to them the consequences of those sins. Look what he did to our original parents, Adam and Eve. He he goads them to take of the forbidden fruit, disobeying God's commandment. He places in front of them as something that is pleasant, something that will entice their lives and make it better. But he never showed them the sweat the toil and he never showed them the hardship of making their own bread separated from God. He showed them the enticement but never the consequences. The devil goads Cain who incidentally it is said of Cain that he was a man gotten from the Lord and yet he goads him into a violent rage to kill his brother Abel but he never showed him the loneliness of being a vagabond separated from everything else. The tempter lures Lot into Sodom, showing him the well-watered plains of Sodom and how that he can live so much better separated from the covenant promise of Uncle Abraham. But he never showed Lot the dark cave when Sodom came crashing down, left with his only two daughters committing incest with them. Samson is pulled away from his calling and his anointing into the lap of that Philistine beauty called Delilah but he's never shown the mill where he will grind wheat for the Philistines with his eyes blinded because the devil will always show us the enticement but he'll never show us the consequences that's why James writes in James 1.15 when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin and when sin is finished it bringeth forth death and then he said in verse 16 do not be deceived my beloved brethren don't think that there's another path don't think that there's another outcome don't think that I can cheat sin and somehow another not have consequences don't think that I can live contrary to the commandments of God and not have any any consequences don't think that I can live in violation to the things and the principles that God has outlined and there not be any results here me today I'd like to preach by the help of the Lord you say pastor am I not free to choose what I want to do can I not make my own choices yes 100% you are free to make your own choices. You are free to live however you want to live. You're free to walk whatever path you want to walk. You're free to conduct your life in whatever affair that you want to conduct it in. But you are not free to choose the results or the consequences of those choices. They are chosen for us. That's the reason why with the rapture so close and the trumpet so near to be in sound 
grounded. I want to make the right choices and the right decisions. And as for me and my house, we choose to live for God. Does anybody hear me now? As for me and my house, we choose to serve Him. I, cho- I know it's a little old-fashioned, but I still choose to lift my hands to Him. I know it's a little outdated, but I still choose to worship God with all of my heart, my so- mind, my soul, and my strength. I realize that it doesn't fit with a progressive society, but I choose to dedicate this vessel to Him to say, God, whatever you want to do and however you want to use me and however you want to bless me. Oh, does anybody understand that? Got to choose well. That's the reason why that Paul writes what he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He understands the dire consequences of sin. He understands that there is a result to my choices. There's a result to how I live. There's a result to what path I walk down. And it is in light of the dire consequence of sin that Paul describes drastic action of how you and I need to deal with this little three-letter word called sin. And he writes it in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 7. And he says, purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump. When he uses that word purge, he's literally using a word that means to clean out, to purge, to drive out, to not let anything stay behind, but literally do a thorough house cleaning. We're coming near to spring and maybe some of you if you're kind of geared in that fashion. I don't know if, if the younger younger part of our generation does that quite that way. But I know the older, older generation did. They had what they called spring cleaning. Come along towards spring and that meant that you, you took the drapes down and you cleaned them and you dusted and that meant you moved the furniture back away from the wall and you cleaned in behind and you washed the baseboard and you cleaned up in places that you normally didn't clean and such places in normal everyday cleaning. It's called spring cleaning. You got to take care of some of those things. And so Paul says in our spiritual life, we need a spring cleaning every once in a while where we go in and find and the nooks and the crevices and the crannies of our heart and our soul little things that may have been deposited and he said purge it drive it out get rid of it so that you can worship God with a pure heart and a pure mind and a pure life he uses leaven to describe this sin that needs to be driven out he says purge out the leaven that is in your life. Leaven was yeast. That's what leaven is. Some of you that bake, uh, that you, you know that if you're going to get bread to rise, you've got to put yeast in that bread. And the only way for it to rise is yeast has to be there. Actually, yeast is a, is, a, is a corruption that gets into the bread and it spreads through the bread and causes it 
to expand. In the Old Testament, Jesus used leaven as a type of sin that gets in our life and it distorts and does things in us that doesn't need to be done. And so Paul says we need to get rid of this leaven or this sin that is in our life. Now, we preached last week about the putting away of sin. And in talking about the putting away of sin, we dealt with the fact that Christ handled the penalty for our sin. Now you and I cannot handle the penalty for our sin. There's no way you and I can pay the price of sin upon human nature. That came because of the fall of Adam and Eve. There's no way you and I can pay that price. That price is death. The only one that could handle that was Christ at the cross and he died and he put away sin or he put away the curse or the price or the penalty of our sin. But you and my responsibility on this Sunday morning is not the penalty of sin it's the presence of sin that we have to deal with and Paul said don't let any presence of sin be in your life don't let sin stay anywhere in your conduct he said I've taken care Christ has taken care of the penalty he's taken care of the price but you take care of the presence you get it out of your life drive it out don't allow it to occupy your heart and mind purge that sin for he says in 1 Corinthians 5 and 6 he says know you not that a little leaven just a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump he said it don't take much but it just takes a little that gets in the lump and expands it can I tell you a little sin will go a long way a little sin will go a long way Somebody said, well, it's just a little sin, Pastor. It's just a little sin, you know. But a little sin will go a long way. Because a little sin will lay there and it will continue to ferment. And it will continue to work until it expands in our life. And it begins to corrupt every part of our being. And it begins to alter our life both physically and spiritually. So he says, I don't want you to worry about the penalty. Christ took care of that. But I want you to deal with the presence of sin I want you to drive the presence of sin out of your life now we live in a society today that that focuses on toleration that's that's a word that is used quite quite freely throughout our society we've got to learn how to tolerate we've got to learn how to be tolerable uh, we got to learn how to have more more tolerance for for this and for that and so we've brought that same concept into our spiritual life where we've just got to learn how to tolerate and and you know we 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 we, we kind of learn to tolerate just a, a little bad thought or we learn how to toler tolerate just a little promiscuity or just a, a little crossing of the line and we tolerate it and in toleration we justify and before long that entire sin has filled our life and polluted our heart and Paul said this is not the hour for toleration this is an hour to take extreme action and to drive that sin out my wife was in our playroom the other day with uh, um, Eden I think it was and uh, she said she hollered at me she said come in here come quick and I, I went into the playroom and she said shh listen listen 
and I heard it. Somewhere up in the walls. She said, there's a mouse up there. I don't like mice. He may be in the attic and I may be downstairs. But I don't like him in the attic and me downstairs under the same roof. I immediately, I went and found some traps. I got me some of that fancy bait you squeeze out of a bottle. And I put it on the mousetrap. And I crawled up in the attic and I put it all around. I waited around a day or two, and I didn't get any mice in my traps. I said, buddy, I know you're up here somewhere. So I expanded my territory. I put traps down in the garage. Because I figured if he was upstairs, he'd probably get downstairs before it was all over. And so I set some traps. And right by the hot water heater closet door, I set me a little trap. I thought, you know, that might be a good spot he's going to dart out at. Sure enough, the next morning I got up, and I had me a little mouse there in my trap. But you know what? If there's one, there's got to be another one. So I reloaded. I set more traps. I found out that if they're not just upstairs, they're downstairs. And if they're in the garage, they're going to end up being in the house. So we need, uh, we need to go into combat mode here. So I expanded my traps and my territory. And before long, in the next few hours, I had me another one. And I, 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 was, I was out here just a day or two ago after, the, after the, the deep freeze we had just a week or so ago. And I, I had my smoker that I had been smoking some meat in. And I hadn't got a chance to get it all cleaned up before the ice storm came in. And so I, I went out there and I was trying to clean it all up and I, I opened the door of that, of that smoker and I went to pull the firebox out and I saw this, this little tail. And I thought, oh boy, I got me another one because where there's one, there's going to be two. And where there's two, there's going to be three. And before long, I saw that little fella go scampering across the patio. And I went and checked my traps back inside the house. Because a mouse and me's not going to live under the same roof. Uh, Paul said, I'm telling you, don't you dare tolerate one little ounce of sin. Because where there's one, there's going to be another. And where there's this little wrong, there's going to be another. He said, you better take some drastic action. Purge it out. Purge it out. Get rid of it. Clean it from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. Drive that out so you can be a clean vessel in the sight of God. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about today? we got to take some action with this thing called sin. Now Paul was, 
Paul was doing a very unique thing. He was, he was making a comparison to an Old Testament feast called Passover. Does anybody remember that story of Passover in the Old Testament? It is the story where in the Old Testament the Israelites were in the land of Egypt and in the land of Egypt they were trying to be freed from the bondage of, of that land. And uh, so God was bringing them out of Egypt and he was doing so through the process of a death of a lamb and they was to take the blood of that lamb and they was to put it on the doorpost of their homes and when the death angel came into the land of Egypt and he saw the blood of the lamb that was on the doorpost the death angel passed over that house and the firstborn did not die in that home because the blood of the lamb was applied to the doorpost every year after that Israel commemorated what was called the Passover feast they sat down around a table where a lamb had been prepared and they ate that lamb and they took bread and they dipped it into bitter herbs and it was to remind them of the bondage that they had in the land of Egypt it was called the Passover meal 14 days before that Passover meal was participated in every Jewish home had to go into their house and they had to clean out the leaven in their home that type of sin any bread that they had brought in over the course of the year that had yeast in it, they had to make sure they got all of that leaven out of the house. They were preparing themselves to participate in that Passover meal. And so 14 days prior, they would do it. Now understand in the course of living in life, and I don't know about you, but uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a real neat eater. Uh, uh, things have a tendency to get off my plate and off the table. Now I, I draw a little consolation because the Bible tells the story of a woman that was asking the Lord for a miracle and uh, she, he said, is it meat for the master to give uh, the dogs the, the bread? And she says, yea, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall off of the master's table. So I guess it's all right if I'm a little sloppy and some crumbs get off the table. And so in the process of eating, the Israelites would have a few crumbs of bread that would drop off, that fall into their lap, that would fall into the floor over the course of the year and over their life of living it would it would fall and it get scattered across the floor and that little crumb that started here on the lap it would wind up over here in the corner and then what was in the corner ended up behind a piece of furniture and so it came along to preparing for the Passover and the children of Israel would go through their homes and they would take a candle and they would begin to search the house and they would pull the chairs out and they would begin to look back in the corners with the candle trying to find any crumbs of old bread that had been left around. They would look up underneath the, the furniture or the bedding and they would begin to sweep in the corners with that candlestick in their hand because they're fixing to sit down at the Passover meal. They're sick, fixing to eat of the lamb. They're going to enjoy this meal that commemorates the Passover and they can't have any leaven in the house. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you on this Sunday morning 
morning. No wonder David prayed it like this in Psalms 139 and verse number 23 when he says, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Because in this process of life and in this process of living, there's little crumbs of things that get in my life. There's little crumbs that get in my mind. There's little things that get scattered. And I've, I've, I can't have anything that keeps me from enjoying the meal that God has prepared. So we take the candle of the Word of God and we take the candle of the Spirit and we begin to sift through our lives and we begin to look and we begin to look in our thought life and we begin to look in our visual life and we begin to look in the things that we read and the things we observe and the things we pull in and say, you know what? I want to enjoy the Lamb and I can't enjoy the Lamb if I got any sin in my life and so I want to purge it out I want to drive it out because to me it's more important to eat of the lamb than to eat of that old bread that's filled with leaven it's more important to enjoy the feast that God has prepared than to have the crumbs of an old lifestyle still hanging around in the corners of my life so I want to purge it out I want to drive it out I want to clean it out so that I can enjoy the feast that God has prepared. That's the reason why Paul said it like this. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 7. He says, purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Now this is what Paul was telling the, the Corinthians. He said in the Old Testament under the law, they prepared 14 days ahead of time for that meal. Cleaning out the corners of the house. Cleaning out the crumbs. Getting rid of anything that would keep them from enjoying all the things that that, that lamb was going to provide for them. For when they sat down at that meal, there was three things that they enjoyed at that meal. Once that meal reminded them of where they had come from. The bondage they had come out of. It reminded them where they were. That they were in the progress of God fulfilling promise in their life. And it reminded them where they were going. That future place that God had designed for them. But Paul said this. He said in the New Testament we're in a little different position. Because the Lamb has already been offered. The Lamb has already been sacrificed. We're not preparing for the sacrifice. The sacrifice has already happened. Can I put this in Borders translation on this Sunday morning? The party has already started. The festival has already begun. I'm not preparing for something to start. What began at Calvary has already began. And so Paul says, listen. He said, I want you to purge it out of your life. Because therefore, 1 Corinthians 5 and 8. Therefore, let us keep the feast not with old leaven. He said, look, the festival has already started. And he said, you're missing out on everything God wants to do. You're missing out on the lamb. And you're missing out on all the things Christ wants to do in your life. He said, so if you're going to get in on the festival that was 
started at the cross. If you're going to get in on the party that was began by the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're going to enjoy the freedom that God can bring. He said it's time to get rid of the leaven. So you can come on in and enjoy the Passover that God has provided for our lives. Now this is what I've discovered and this is what I find so tragic is there's so many that are not enjoying what Christ purchased at the cross of Calvary. They're not enjoying the feast. They're not enjoying the provisions that was bought for them at Calvary. They can't because there's too much leaven. There's too many crumbs of the world. There's too many crumbs of sin. There's too many crumbs of this present life in their heart. Therefore they can't enjoy Christ. They can't enjoy the festival they can't enjoy the provision of the cross and I can't enjoy it as long as sin is there that's the reason why if I'm going to really celebrate in Jesus and enjoy what God has for me I've got to take care of the sin that's in my heart I've got to clean it all out I've got to purge it and then when I step in to the beautiful realm of God and the presence of Almighty God I can enjoy Enjoy the presence of the Lord because my life is free from sin. Oh, is anybody, does anybody understand it? I can stand here today and say I'm free. You've heard me tell the story. She came to church. Her life was a mess. It was, it was a mess. It was tore up in every which direction you could imagine it be torn up in. We had went to her home, my wife and I, we tried to teach her Bible study. It just didn't seem to come together. She continued to come to church. It was a Sunday morning. She'd come and she just stood there at the front. I think it was kind of a front pew, if I remember right. She just kind of stood there for a little bit. As she stood there, I could see this expression and look on her face that I want this, but I don't know how to get it. I just stepped up to her and I said, Carol, if you want the Holy Ghost, and we've been talking about it, all you have to do is just repent of your sins. God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. In her feeble way, not really knowing how to do it, she just kind of let a tear roll down her cheek and she just prayed a little simple prayer God forgive me of my sins and she began to worship the Lord and said Carol if you want the Holy Ghost just lift your hands God will give you the Holy Ghost she lifted her hands and God miraculously filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and when, when she did her face just lit up like a light bulb The joy and the presence of the Lord came over her from the top of her head to the sole of her feet. And she began to rejoice in the presence of the Lord. And then just as sure as that light and that joy came, it left in an instant. And there was a darkness that came over her. And I saw her settle back down. I said, Carol, what's wrong? What's going on? And she said, you don't know how bad I've been. You don't know how many mistakes I've made. You don't know how messed up my life is. I said, Carol, it just doesn't matter. 
You know, you can be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And we do it for the remission of those sins. God will put those sins away. She said, will he put away my sins? I said, yes, Carol, he'll put away your sins. He'll he'll bury them all beneath his blood. They'll be taken away from you. She said, I want to be baptized. We took her and we buried her in the name of Jesus Christ. And I, I was having to stand on the outside of the baptistry on this side. And I was having to lean over a wall to be able to baptize her. And as she come up out of that water, she twirled out of my arms. I, I, I thought I had lost her. She was going to go back down. And uh, she twirled out of my hands trying to get her up. And she started shouting to the top of her lungs. And this smile broke across her face and this joy erupted in her spirit as she said no more sin no more sin no more sin it's all gone can I tell you that when you put away sin you can step in to the festival you can step in to what the lamb has provided you can step in to the joy of the party with Jesus Christ when you purge out that old sin in your life he adds joy to our hearts and he adds peace and love to our spirit when we put that thing away would you stand with me on this Sunday morning and can you just lift your hands to heaven and can you reach your hands to him your face turned toward glory and can you tell him today God I want to keep the feast I want to come into the party Anything that would keep me out of the joy of the Lord, I want to put it away. I want to purge it. Anything that would keep me from really experiencing Christ in the way that He wants me to experience it. God, I'm going to purge it out. I'm going to find every crumb. I'm going to search every nook. I'm going to search every cranny. I'm going to put it all away because I want what Jesus has for me. I want what Jesus can provide in my life. I don't want to keep it out. I want to come on into a party that's already started. And I want God to add that joy and that peace into my heart and my soul today. Oh, I feel a beautiful presence of the Lord all over this building right now. Would you just allow that presence to invite you would you just allow that in presence to wrap its arms around you that's him welcoming him saying you know what I've got something for you come on in come on in come on in you can put away the old life you can put away the old sin you can put away the old corruption you can put away every yesterday you can put away all the sorrows all the wrong decisions all the wrong choices they can all be put away and I can find new life in Jesus Christ oh hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, can we just praise Him a little bit? Can we just praise Him? Just however you do it, whatever words you use, would you just tell Him, Lord, I love you. I need you. I need you, Lord. Search me, oh God. Search me today. See if there be any wicked way that would keep me from the joy of the Lamb. And what you've provided upon the cross of Calvary. I put it all away today. I put it all away. I put it all away.
with every eye is closed on this Sunday morning, prayer is going up all over this building today. I'm inviting this congregation to join with me as we pray all across this building today. There's a party that has started. The Lamb has opened the doors to the greatest life that there's ever been. The joy of living a life free from sin. The consequences of those sins are put away with the penalty of sin. And God gives me a brand new life and a brand new start where I just walk in and God fills me with the joy of the Lord. You see, all I need to do to purge myself is just repent. Just tell God I'm sorry. It doesn't have to be a long, fancy, flowery prayer. It can just be, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me of my sin. And in that moment of sincerity to God, God will literally take my past and He will fling it from me. When I'm buried in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, it is forever buried and put away, never to be remembered from me again. And I step into that which God has provided. Now eyes are closed and heads are bowed all across this building. We're going to pray together. And I'm going to open this altar. If there's a hunger in your heart today, there's a thirst in your soul for something that maybe you have never experienced before, Something you want God to do in your life, a joy that may have kept you out, a sin that may have kept you out of the joy. We're going to put that away and we're going to invite you in just a moment to come stand here across this front. And God's going to do a great and a mighty work on this Sunday morning. Now, God, we come to you today, Lord, and we come just as we are. And God, we know and we recognize we've made wrong choices and we've made wrong decisions. And We know, God, we've walked in wrong paths. We know, God, that we have lived contrary to your law, and we repent today, and we're sorry. Please forgive us, God, of our sins. Wash us of those things and those choices we've made and those decisions. And God, take your word as a candle and let it sweep our heart and let it sweep our life. And God, let us not leave anything behind that might keep us from having everything you want to do in our lives. Now, God, we know, Lord, you've already started something at the cross. We're not preparing for it. It's already going on. God, I'd like to come in to what you've got for me. And God, I'm opening my heart and my mind and my soul to you right now. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Now, as we continue to pray across the You have been listening to an audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center located in Norman, Oklahoma. We are located at 3221 North Porter Avenue, Norman, Oklahoma, 73071. Our service times are Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. And we also have various ministries happening on Wednesday night. For more information, visit our website, www.awcnorman.com. You can call us at 405-329-1285 or email us at info at awcnorman.com. We hope that this recording has been a blessing to you.